Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll begin the study of the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. The very first verse of Malachi says, The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Before we get into the study, I think we do well to understand who this Malachi is. Either Malachi is a person whose proper name is Malachi, or the word Malachi is a description of the person who's presenting the prophecy. See, Malachi means my messenger. God has sent a messenger to Israel, and either his name is Malachi, or we're not told his name, we're just told he's the messenger. If the word Malachi is just a description and not a proper name, there are many who think that this messenger is actually Ezra. There's another book in the Bible named Ezra, and it talks about a man who returns to Jerusalem after the temple has been rebuilt to call out corruption and to encourage people to live the way that God wants them to live. Certainly, the message of this prophecy is consistent with the things that we hear Ezra say in the book of Ezra. This could be one of his prophecies, or it could be someone who comes along 50 to 100 years later still preaching the same things to Israel because they have not yet learned their lesson. We're also told that this Malachi is presenting an oracle, or the Hebrew word is masa. And this word 27 times in biblical prophecy introduces a threatening or somber message. So from the very first sentence, we have God letting us know that he has sent a messenger to deliver a harsh word, a somber word to people who need to repent. This messenger will foretell the coming of John the Baptist and Jesus. He's the last of the recorded prophets that we have in our Old Testament. I think it's good for us to look at this conversation that God has with this messenger. It will help us see that we can talk to God about anything. We can let him know what is on our heart. But it'll also see the response that we need to have to God when he sets things straight and makes things clear about his work and his expectations for us. So if you have a Bible with you, turn to Malachi chapter 1, and follow along while I begin reading in verse 1. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, But Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says, we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins. The Lord of hosts says, they may build, but I will tear down. And they will be called the wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this. 
and you shall say, Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. As the oracle begins, we're given the dialogue of what sounds like a married couple, where one spouse says, I love you, and the other says, how can you dare say that? God had been telling Israel that he loved them, but they wondered why he would say that given all that they had been through. They had been oppressed by surrounding armies. They had been taken into captivity. When they returned from captivity and they built the temple, the presence of God still did not inhabit the temple. Things were not the way they were supposed to be. How could God dare say that he loved them? So what God did was remind them that both the descendants of Jacob and the descendants of Esau had been destroyed, but it was only the descendants of Jacob that God had restored. Esau may try to restore himself, but it would never come to anything. God had restored Jacob. He reminds them that he is keeping his promise to them. God tells them when they actually see what he's been doing for them, they'll not only appreciate it and know that they are loved, they will proclaim that God is great beyond the borders of Israel. See, the problem was Israel was drawing the wrong conclusions because they had the wrong perspective. They weren't looking at the circumstance appropriately. They were looking at what they felt they were missing rather than appreciating what they had. This mindset affects us in many aspects of our life. We get so focused on what we want or what we desire that we don't have, we don't have a full appreciation of what we do have in the way of relationships and possessions and and other things. And certainly, there are times when we don't fully appreciate the gift that we have of having God in our lives and being loved by Him. The reality is God loves his children even when they don't see it. If we don't see it, it can be for a number of reasons. Often it's a lack of awareness. We're just not paying attention. Whether it's being overly focused on what's missing, like we just said, or we've just busied ourselves with the task of our daily lives to a point that we don't have time to reflect and think and be grateful. We're just not aware of the fact that God is present and is loving us. We get distracted by concerns of this world and miss out on that opportunity to feel loved. There are other times when in our earthly relationships, we feel mistreated or neglected. And because we're having those emotions, we project those onto God. We're frustrated that we're not feeling in tangible ways, love and acceptance the way that we want to, in an effort to blame someone, to ease our own conscience, we want to blame God for not providing us what we need. We don't take the time to think that maybe the reason people aren't responding to us the way we want is because of the way we treat them. We just know we're not receiving what we want, and we blame God for that. I think something we can see in this short paragraph is that when circumstances don't go my way, I may be responsible. There may be things that I have done to contribute to the way that I'm feeling. It may be my behavior that has stopped me from reaching my goal. It may be that God has opened every door and cleared every path so that I could, 
but I didn't act in the way that he called me to, and so I missed out on what I wanted. I also may be wanting something different than I need. Very often, Israel was tying themselves to the nations around them rather than tying themselves to God. What they wanted was a relationship with the nations on their terms and asking God to bless that rather than seeking a relationship with God on his terms. I talk to far too many people who are very concerned with what they want, and they often confuse their intense desire for that thing with even God's prompting for them. But they're desperately wanting something that they don't need, and that is what's getting in the way of them finding fulfillment and feeling loved by God, because God is having to say no to spare them and save them from disaster. But what about the times that I'm convinced that I'm paying attention and I'm doing everything right, but I still don't feel that presence of God and that love from him? Well, what we see in Israel's history and what God lets them know is that even if you're not responsible for creating the circumstance that you're in, that circumstance that's making you feel the way you do, you are responsible for how you respond to it. Malachi in this prophecy is not the problem. It's Israel as a whole. And I'm sure it wasn't every single person in Israel. But because of the natural consequences of the choices they were making, they were missing out on the love and acceptance that was there for them to experience. They were missing out on the blessings that God was trying to shower on them because they were avoiding him. We live in a world that by and large does not acknowledge God and does not seek after his path. Even people who call themselves Christians or much like the nation of Israel, in wanting God to bless what they've decided to do rather than seek out what God has said is the best way to live life. So when I find myself in the midst of this world and I see broken people hurting others and hurting me, I can't forget that God still loves me and I have to respond to that love. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Scripture tells us about that love, but it also tells us how to experience that love. In 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, Scripture says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only Son to the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Just because we don't feel love from the world, we can feel love from God, but the way we do that is by loving other people. We start to understand what a great love God has for us when we start trying to love people who treat us the way we treat God. 
when they let us down and they disappoint us and they aren't fully aware of our presence and they do things that make them hard to love. When we practice loving them, God is at work in us, and we come to understand God's love and feel it more fully. Not only that, we are perfecting that love or making that love complete in the lives of others. We have a responsibility to respond to God in this way, even when we don't feel loved, even when the people in our path aren't very lovable. My willingness to do this is a measure of the faith that I have in Jesus. When Jesus tells me to do something, when he says that is best for me, I can agree with him intellectually, but until I'm willing to put that into practice, I haven't trusted him. I haven't put my faith in him. If I'm unwilling to love others, I'm letting Jesus know that I don't trust his teaching enough to put it into practice. But I'm also robbing myself of the opportunity to experience the love of God. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.